Tonight we go truly international as we welcome Norm Nakamura, known for his YouTube channel, Tokyo Lens. Norm is a Canadian living in Japan, vlogging about life in a different country and his passion for the shamisen. Thank you everybody for tuning into our podcast this week. I personally am extremely excited because we have a friend of mine, Norm Nakamura, who I met uh, through our store, through Henry's. Just happened yeah. to walk in one day and we kind of hit it off. And I've been so excited knowing him, the positive energy that he gives and all the great things that he shares about living in Japan. It's awesome that he's finally here on our podcast. So thank you, Norm, for being here very much. Thanks for having me. Um, and But first, before we get into our conversation with Norm, just want to say hi to Aurora and Mark. Ryan is on his way, and when he shows up, we'll say hello to him too. Uh, but guys, how have you, how's your week been, Aurora? Uh, I've been good. I started off the week um, not so good. I wasn't feeling the greatest. Mm. I uh, woke up with a sore throat and had the terror of being amidst a pandemic with a sore throat. So I'm like, oh, I got calling sick to work, I gotta get tested, all this stuff. And luckily I didn't have anything, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, I'm so sorry I missed the show last week. I was really looking forward to meeting Leah. Um, uh, that would have been a really cool conversation, but I can't wait to tune in when we, we post it. And I'm so excited to talk to Norm today because I've always wanted to go to Japan. Um, it's like a big thing for me. Um, so yeah. Um, and I've heard a lot about, uh, Norm from Brian actually working at the Henry store. So yeah. I <laughs> awesome. Awesome to have you on Norm. Yeah. Thank you. Mark, how about you, man? I'm uh, doing well, doing well. I, I obviously don't live in Japan. I live in Thunder Bay, but, uh, we managed to get out uh, on the weekend and went for a little hike with the dogs and got a different angle of Kekabeka Falls, which is only about 24 minutes from the house. So that was good to see. And then uh, looking forward to this conversation, uh, like Aurora, uh, Japan is on my bucket list as well. So we'll get there one day. And that's one of the things that I love the most about Norm's channel is seeing things about Japan that I've never thought about. Not just not known, but never even thought about. Like one of your videos, you go through some back alleys in, in uh, Tokyo and there's this mm -hmm. whole other little world where there's little restaurants and there's so many different places that we've never been exposed to in Canadian culture. Mm. Is that a big reason why you made a move to Japan, Norm? Because you're Canadian. It's a large, yeah. Uh, Canadian born and raised in Ontario, uh, born in North York, raised out in the KW area, and uh, moved out here in my early 20s, and a large part of it was exactly that. It... Uh, We've all seen that cartoon doghouse where on the outside it's this tiny little doghouse and then you open it up and it's this giant mansion inside. It's three floors and you know <laughs> what I mean? The dog's kicking back in his robe and that's what Japan really felt like. It was, it's this tiny little space and you open it up and there's a whole world inside of stuff that's new and unfamiliar and it just felt like a chance to learn all about life again from the beginning. You grow up and you feel like you already know it all. You know what I mean? You feel like you've experienced and you know so much. And Japan really hits the reset on that pretty hard. So I love it. And I love learning so many things about it. It's a culture that, uh, again, it's, it's very distant to my world. Like I've born in Montreal, lived in Ontario, lived in the States, experienced a lot of different cultures and so on. But then I start watching your videos and seeing how really, I mean, just the whole mindset of, of you can leave your bicycle on the street and people aren't going to take it because that's disrespectful. You know, mm. they, they clean up things. And is it still like that or has a pandemic changed anything like that? Or it's just in general, do you feel that Japan is uh, just more open minded to just being OK with everybody doing their own thing? Uh, I don't know if that's it's a it. really complicated question to answer. <laughs> what I'll say is this much. Um, in 2019, thanks to the, the, the instrument we're going to talk about a little bit today, I had the opportunity to travel to a lot of places. And I learned during that time that while Japan comes off very, very unique in the end, it really is just a country like any other with people. There's going to be good people. There's going to be bad people. There's going to be really chill people. There's going to be super excited people. And in the end, it's it's actually, visually, it's very different from a country like Canada or the US or Australia, but 
when it comes down to actually your interactions with people and everything, you're going to have very, very many of the exact same interactions that you'd have anywhere else. And I think just like back home, the life that you have here goes for, you know, it gets based on what you're looking for. So if you're a really positive, outgoing people, you're probably going to meet a lot of those. If you're like, oh, there's there's problems in this society, you're going to find those. In the end, you always find what you're looking for. So I know it's kind of a non-answer, but after over a decade, nearly a decade and a half of living here, I've realized it's not all that different from home when you really get down to it. Yeah, actually, I remember you said in one of your videos how if you were going to move to Japan and not want to integrate and just do your own thing. You don't have to, you can still speak English and do your own thing. And, and, but if you wanted to, they would welcome that as well. So that was a really cool thought because there's a lot of times here, at least that I've seen where sure. Yeah. I'd love to go and and be a part of a different culture, but Mm. it's not as easy to just kind of go up in there and and start living (laughs) that kind of life. Right. Mm. So that's nice. I think it really comes down to your mindset as well. Like if you come here and you're like, oh, it's going to be so difficult to integrate. It's going to feel difficult. But I just, uh, Japan have this this word called kuki yomenai, which is not reading the atmosphere. I just always lived inside that little bubble of not reading the atmosphere. I'm going to go. I'm not going to act like I'm a, I'm a foreigner. I'm just going to meet people. I'm going to talk to them as if they're other people. And it just it works. Mm-hmm. it works if you approach like apprehensive like are they gonna like me i'm a foreigner am i gonna be accepted they're gonna read that and they're gonna react to that so i've always just been like hello fellow human and it just it kind of works <laughs> so. yeah well, that's how we met same real same thing right? <laughs> quite literally yeah <laughs> quite literally you walked into my store at henry's and you know you had your gorilla pod with your i think it was a, a canon 80d yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I had your road mic. And I was instantly drawn to it because, I mean, in, in my industry, and at the time, too, I was fresh talking with Peter McKinnon and the people that I knew. And um, to see somebody like yourself just walk in, I had to find out what the story was and then found out mm. about living in Japan. It was fascinating. And then, and I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but uh, <laughs> I still have the, the things that you brought me back Oh, no uh, way. Yes. I <laughs> ate the ones that you told me to eat, by the way, and they were they were delicious. But Norm brought me back some some gifts from Tokyo the next time he came back to visit and we had a coffee. And, um, I was just so happy and so impressed that you took the time to do that. So thank you again years later. But, uh, you know, oh, this, is all, this all goes back to the whole demeanor that you have and the way that you're able to integrate because you're more outgoing and easy to talk to and easy to you, know, you, you bring people gifts. <laughs> I'm joking, but uh, so no, no. go ahead, Mark. So I just my one question. So obviously, I mean, Japan is is a beautiful country. I mean, I've obviously seen pictures and video. But what was it that drew you there um, to to move to Japan in the first place? Like, was it for a job specifically or a career, or was it just you know what? I'm going to throw everything in the wind. I'm going to move to Japan and figure it out as I go along. How did that happen? For mm-hmm. I think like most Canadians, I kind of had that interest from when I was young. I think we, we, we all lived through the, you know, the 90s and whatnot. There was a, a big Japan boom and, you know, we found out all of our favorite shows and toys were all made in Japan at the time. And I always thought someday I want to go there. And in university, I ended up nearly basically living with some Japanese students for a couple of years, spending all my time in that apartment and by the end of it, I could kind of casually speak Japanese. Now, this is a really truncated version of a much longer story. But at the end of the university, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do what's called a working holiday, which allows me to live in Japan for a year. And I just went to check it out. I didn't know if I'd be living longer or if I'd come back halfway through. Loved the year, came back. And it was at that time that I ran into the instrument that inspired me to move back and start the life that i have now so it was just that one year that it just everything felt fresh everything felt like starting over it's the 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 most simplified way i can put it this is as a full-grown adult you feel like you have a general feel for all the personality types that are out there you can meet somebody within 30 seconds or so you you're like oh okay they're generally this type of person whether that matches you or not 
you come to a new country and it's a whole new set of personality types that you've never seen before and you can't read at all, which means you have to actually, there are no assumptions. You can't live with assumptions. And so it's like learning humanity all over again as well. It's not just learning the kind. So it's the place, it's the people, it's brand new. Everything was new and it just felt like starting over. And that was really interesting. It just pulled me into experience more. So. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you. Thanks for asking. There's so many things we could ask about, but I'm going to ask the obvious. What have you got behind you over there? Right <laughs> behind your shoulder, there's this YouTube thing. What, what, the little, is that up, it up there? there? That, yeah. yeah, that right there. <laughs> what have you got uh, that, behind you there? That's the, uh, that's the silver play button that uh, I got. Actually... It would have arrived exactly, I believe, one year ago today or something like that. Oh, wow. I think I applied oh, for it one year ago today. Yeah. Um, I started YouTube something like three, four years ago. I think I just kicked off the channel when Brian and I met. And uh, then I hit 100K last year. And they send you one of those silver play buttons. Beautiful. So. Nicely Amazing. done. So that's, that's for 100,000 subscribers? Yeah. Yeah. So the video, so. videos you make are so visually stunning. I mean, the location has a lot to do with that. But what training did you have uh, beforehand before you gave up your full time job, which we're going to ask about in, in a minute and, and went into your new full time job and took over uh, this as a full time thing? What, what training did you have for video production at all? Uh, I would say next to none. When I was living in Canada, I was into, have you ever heard of extreme martial arts? Those kids who go to the gymnastics yeah. gym and they do the flips and the kicks and then they, you know, do the parkour and stuff. I, I got really into that for a while. And after my first trip to Japan in 2005, I had bought a camcorder and i brought it back and i was like well i'm done recording japan so i started making videos of these guys doing their flips and their tricks and stuff like that and lining it up to music and that was literally the only experience that i had uh so it was basically japan videos and videos of friends jumping off walls like crazy people so that's quite a learning curve man you, you go from you know doing not too much to proper wipes and fades and music and <laughs> the stories and like the whole the whole visual is excellent mm -hmm. um what's your favorite camera right now gotta ask uh lately i'm living off of actually even this conversation's being done off of the sony a7s3 um and i've got some i can't remember the name of the mic uh i've got some big crazy mic setup on top called the XLR KM3 and the end goal is just always to be able to pick up the camera turn it on and record that's it I've got to be able to stuff it in a bag pull it out you know not worry too much about breaking it it's why I always use the cannons originally because they're robust I, I've dropped them down hills and they still survive um, but I needed something that could handle low light a little better and was a little more stable than Canon, which is pretty much any brand out there. And I landed on Sony. So and it's nice that you can get the adapters to still use all the Canon lenses that you probably still have behind you there. I still have them, but I've actually only gone with two Sony lenses and never needed anything else. I've got a 12 to 24 2.8 and a 24 to 105 F4. And I've had the Sony now since December and have never needed another lens. That's good to know. So, For what Aurora and I do, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing you're using the 12 to 24 right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've got, can I, it's not even on its like widest setting right now. Um, I could probably open that Whoa. up. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looked <laughs> wide, but that's cool. I think I've got it at, about 14 15 right now so nice aurora is the store manager of a henry's as well just so you know oh, so, okay yeah. 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 yeah yeah and i'm just a guy that takes pictures so <laughs> <laughs> um well not just take pictures music <laughs> that i mean you love music too oh and, i love music yeah, yeah i saw the uh, i saw behind you there the amps yeah. and the strings yeah yeah there's a 
I'm a bit of a collector. I've got a small collection of, uh, of guitars and that one, I love the paint job. Uh, it took about five hours of work to even make it remotely playable, but uh, mm -hmm. I, got it. I got it there. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask Norm, um, I believe, I may be wrong, but it was the coming to Japan and the shamisei that got you, or shamisen, words are not working for me, uh, that got you into video as well, because you started recording um, a lot of that kind of world as well. And that yep. probably furthered you too, right? So was it the music that got you more into the video, you think? Definitely. I hadn't actually, I lived in Japan for, I would say, I, I moved maybe 2007 and then I was kind of back and forth. And it wasn't until maybe 2009, 2010 when I picked up my camera again. It had been, it had been put down since 2005. I don't think I picked up a camera again for half a decade. And then around 2010, 2011, I got into that three-stringed Japanese instrument called the shamisen. A friend in Canada, when I went back after that first year, handed me a CD. And I'd never heard it before. And it was these two guys called the Yoshida Brothers. And I was like, well, this, this is something else. And it just felt kind of like, again, like Japan, it felt like a restart, like hearing music for the first time. And uh, that led me in the long run to coming back to Japan and trying to build a life around that instrument. And I would meet other players of the instrument. And in doing so, I wanted to kind of share what they did. So I grabbed myself my first DSLR, which was a Canon 60D. Knew nothing about video at the time. Didn't even put a mic on it. Just like just like that. Just recorded them in a park and uploaded it to YouTube. And that eventually became a YouTube channel called Chamisen in Tokyo, which after putting a bunch of stuff on there and then putting more designed stuff on there and planned stuff on there led to my current channel, Tokyo Lens. So nice. That's awesome. It's awesome. I, I think the instrument is very uh, unique and uh, interesting to listen to. Uh, I personally, uh, I said this earlier before we started recording, I've um, at, we're at the beginning of the recording that I've always wanted to go to Japan. Um, I think mm. it's a really, really cool culture um, in all aspects, like uh, the music, the food, uh, you know, the architecture. It, it's just a huge wide range, like the media, everything. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I watched a bit of a video that uh, Brian put in our chat about uh, you talking about the shamisen the first time, and you said you had seen the Yoshida brothers at like a convention. Yep. Um, and then that's kind of what inspired you. I think that's really interesting because I actually, every year before the pandemic had been going to Anime North. Oh, um, okay. And they have all these like opening ceremonies and such cool displays of, different dancing, different music, like full out traditional Japanese drums and, and things like that. And it opens your eyes to the world uh, of different kind of music. So I think that's really awesome that you took it upon yourself to actually start playing, um, which is very interesting. So uh, yeah, I actually used to be a regular goer of Anime North myself as well. My little brother nice. who took me to the convention where I heard the Yoshida Brothers for the first time would always bring me out to Anime North. So nice. it's amazing how much when, you know, people think convention, they just think people out in costumes going and, you know, I don't know what they imagine, but the, yeah. these conventions are actually packed full of so much culture and new experiences that can open doors and change lives. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm glad that you can relate to that, Aurora. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. That's one of the reasons, again, I want to, I definitely want to go at one point. Mm -hmm. There are so many interesting stories from there. Sorry. Interesting stories, uh, different people that you meet that end up being friends for a long time, kind of like your experience with, with Norm, Brian, like you guys met in a store and um, you connected over uh, a mutual thing and it's, it, it opens your eyes for sure. Mm. Definitely. Uh, that's one thing I like the most about creativity in general is the people you meet, the stories you, you hear, the, the influences you get, um it's just so fascinating actually um i looked up the yoshida brothers and i let me let me rephrase that 
I looked up shamisen in rock and roll. Mm. That was my my quote that I looked for. Oh, Mark is back. Hang on a second here. Sorry. Uh, I looked up shamisen in rock and roll because I wanted to know if anybody had gotten the idea to integrate that kind of rhythm and the you know the way it's played and everything into a rock and roll beat. And of course, the first thing that comes up is the Yoshida Brothers. Yep. And I was, I think I watched three or four of their videos in a row, and it was fascinating. Like I'm. I listened to Tool, I listened to Rush, I listened to The Police my whole life since I was 14. You know, this the, locked into this groove. And this, like you and Aurora were just talking about, opening eyes, right? Creativity, music. Mm. It's fascinating how I could be years old and still be coming across this amazing uh, new music with a completely different culture and history and tradition behind it. Um, you apprenticed with them, didn't you? I still do, actually. It's a lifelong commitment, um, isn't it? Yeah. So I the the story there is I, I'd come back. I had actually bought a drift car in Japan, and Wait, was is there anything you haven't team. tried? I mean, you've done parkour. You've done. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to. Jump. No, if I if I like it, I I try it, or at least I find some way to to dabble. But um, I I drifted until I destroyed the car, and then I had a, a friend say to me, "You need to stop messing around. You need to do something that's bigger than yourself. If you could set a stupid dream, like like crazy big, what would it be?" And I said, "Well." I would become the apprentice of the Yoshida brothers. And I had a chuckle and he didn't chuckle. He just kept a super serious face and went, then man up. And I was like, what? And he's like, you said it, now do it. And like, I felt so challenged by that. I was like, okay, you wanna, you, you wanna, you're saying it like, like I can't? Cause I bet you I could. And he's like, cool, <laughs> do it, do it. And from there became two years every single day off of my life for two years straight from 2009 to 2011 became me chasing this seemingly unattainable dream of taking the world's two biggest shamisen players and somehow learning from them and i went through all these like failed routes and i got really close i had a friend who lived in the same building it was like i can pass a note to them and i was just like nah that that won't work and like, i was right there they're right there and then in the end i met a shamisen shop and spent a year building a relationship with them bought a shamisen from them and everything begged and they're like you know we'll we know we'll, we'll give them a, we'll give them a call but no promises they gave them a call I, the next day I answer the phone and they're like, yeah, they said no. Uh -huh. And I was like, ah. And so I just kept that relationship going. I had the shamisen. I wasn't willing to touch it because I told myself if it wasn't from them, I wouldn't learn. And I begged them again. They called again. It was another hard no. And I realized after that second no, that no didn't discourage me at all. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to stop. I should probably let them know I'm not going to stop. Like, I don't want to come off as rude. So I told the shop, I was like, okay, I want you to tell them that I will become their most dedicated apprentice. I will not quit. And when I say I will not quit, it means I won't quit after I start. And I also won't quit before I start. So if they say no now, they'll hear from me in one way or another next year and the next year and the next year until one of us dies. I'm going to keep going. So, and... <laughs> Then I didn't hear anything for six months. And then one day in December, I got a call from an unknown number. I answered it and it was the older of the two Yoshida brothers. He invited me for coffee. We had coffee. I brought my shamisen. And at the end of coffee, he opened up the shamisen, still unsure if we were going to work together. And he's like, I thought you bought this thing six months ago. Is this a new one? Have I was like, no, I just haven't touched it. He's like, you've had a shamisen for six months that you spent two grand on and you haven't touched it. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, if I don't learn from you guys, I don't learn. So I've just been waiting. And he gets this crazy little grin on his face. And he's like, okay, let's talk about our schedule. Nice. And from there, wow. That, wow. That, was, that was it. So Persistence pays wow. off. I, I was seeing yeah. that going another way where he's like, you've had it for six months, you haven't even tried, but... Um, for for him as a as a teacher as a master, that also told him you had no bad habits you had to break. So yeah, and that was kind of the goal, break. right? <laughs> yeah. So now, That's did awesome. you did you have any issues with um, 
culturally, because obviously this is a, an instrument that is deeply rooted in the Japanese culture. Did you have any issues with anybody culturally saying you're not uh, Japanese, you're not from here, you shouldn't learn it? I got to choose my words on this very quickly, very carefully. But you can choose not to answer as well if it's going to put you in a the tough only spot. People, <laughs> the only people who had an issue culturally with a non-Japanese person playing this traditional Japanese instrument have been other non-Japanese people oh, online. Gotcha. gotcha. None, no Japanese person mm -hmm. I've ever met has been anything less than supportive. Now, Japanese are very, very polite, so they don't always show their true feelings. But in the end, as I said, it's, it's a country like any other. There's going to be people whose opinions run the gamut, but they are very polite about it. But I've always been able to join competitions. I've always been invited to events. I've done 50 to 100 performances countrywide, ranging from north to south. So I think the proof is in the pudding itself. Um, I've been treated quite well uh, in terms of being a non-Japanese player. Okay, very cool. Very cool. And I think that's a, a lot in any hobby. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the wall of equipment behind you, even thinking when, when you get into a new hobby, often you'll run into, uh, I'll call them roadblocks of people who are the gatekeepers. <laughs> and they, they think they think that they know the best and you know if you're you're not a photographer unless you shot film and developed your own film and no. um, un unless you were you know winding your own film and developing it and, and you know cutting and splicing it on a machine a, a physical a lot of that. Yeah. you know it, that you're not really a photographer you're not really a filmmaker at that point it is is what mm. they're they will have you believe but uh, i think it's awesome that you were able to um run with it and that you were so tenacious with wanting to play the shamisen to the point where you went to the top to become one of their apprentices that's amazing yeah i think there were a lot of people that didn't appreciate that aspect because you know there's there's a certain level of audacity that's required to skip past everything and go directly to the top right and especially in a country of people who have dedicated their lives 10 15 20 years who are inspired by these players and they look at me maybe as a foreigner or maybe just as another person and they go wait 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 you just went directly to them and asked who are you you know and so <laughs> definitely people who have that mindset because they were probably inspired by the ocean brothers to start and they put 15 years into it and they look at this random guy who just bugged them until they broke down i guess is the way they <laughs> see it but yeah so well, you know connected with them at a different level right you you yeah. showed them that you were serious and that you really wanted to do it properly mm -hmm. I, as a teacher as a photography teacher that's exactly who i want to talk to somebody who's passionate who has a level of interest to actually care to mm. follow through on what they say they're going to do i mean if i'm going to sit there and have a, a lesson with somebody and they're looking at their camera the whole time i stop talking what's the point if you're engaged and you're learning and you're having a conversation and you're soaking it up, you can, you can sense somebody who's interested and they obviously yep. sense that in you. So, you know, that's where it comes from, right? It's that passion that you have. You move to Japan. I mean, <laughs> you, you commit to stuff, which is awesome. I love it. That's amazing. Now, how long have you been playing the Shamisan now? Um, as of December this year i think it'll be officially 10 years i think i started in either 2010 or 2011 i think 2011 uh so that'll be officially 10 years that i've been playing wow that's awesome yeah. and do you play other instruments as well I, when I was young, I, I, I've always loved instruments. Uh, my grandfather was a guitarist, so I played guitar when I was really young. Uh, I did I, like violin lessons when I was a kid, but I was absolutely terrible at it. I spent most of the time just adding resin to the bow so I could avoid playing. And I uh, did like trombone in high school. I dabbled in things like harmonica, but uh, yeah, percussion and strings were always big for me. I love string instruments, so I loved things like the cello. I loved the drums. And the shamisen kind of brings that together because it's a string instrument with no frets that has a very percussive nature to it. And that's kind of what pulled me into it. It's 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 like a, a mix of a, a fretless bass and a drum set all in one. So 
I am very like, cool. very I'm cool. loving it and the whole concept of it because played the drums, played the cello, uh, played a bunch <laughs> of different instruments all through high school, always trying to find what worked. And the drums clicked with me, the, the rhythm clicked with me. Um, I've always also wanted to play guitar or something. So this is, I got to. I'm gonna call the Ashita brothers. I'm gonna see if they can. Yeah, I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you could just come up and plug one in if you want. You know. <laughs> or play guitar. Yeah. No. Um, so, going back to um, your love for playing guitar and, and the Yoshiba, Yosh, Yoshida. What am I talking about? The shamisen. Um, do you have one nearby by any chance? I actually keep one in the shelf right here below me. Yeah. Um, they don't make pointy ones, do they? Pointy ones? <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's a stupid question. Mark, Mark likes guitars, and he prefers pointy guitars. Yeah. So uh, if there was a pointy yeah. shamisen, I would yeah. fear that the collection would start to grow. Well, you see, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Let me pull this out for a second. Now, I have kind of preset this up because I thought we might talk about it in the podcast a bit but you can't just leave them like a guitar so when i'm done at the end of the day this bridge i've got to pull this bridge out i then need to pack it into a what's called a washi bag it's like a rice paper bag with a plastic bag on the outside to protect it from humidity and then i've got to wipe down the entire thing because the wood is very rare. Uh, the wood is something called like kolki, which I believe translates like a red sand. It's almost petrified wood. 90% uh, of the sound comes from this neck, as well as 90% of the cost coming from this neck. This is nearly rock hard wood right here. And so to protect the wood after the body's wrapped, the entire thing gets wrapped in this bag nice and tightly after being wiped down to be protected from the, the, you know, just humidity and whatnot in the air. Also, I have to do my best to keep my house at a constant 40% or near 40% humidity. Otherwise, it can do damage to the shamisen or rip it. So they're very, very high maintenance. And then when this eventually does rip, it's about $500 each time to replace it. Ooh. So they're quite costly. I go through about... $40 in strings each month alone when I'm practicing pretty heavy. So the the smaller cost of the shamisen is in the initial purchase, which for a cheap one, you're still looking because it's all handmade at around two grand. But when I bought this one, which is much, much more than my original $2,000 one, it was lined up beside ones that most full-grown adults don't spend on a car. There were 30, 40, 50, 60,000 shamisen all lined up beside this one. They were beautiful, they sounded great, but it's it's the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. the, what I can do with a cinema camera isn't that much more than what I can do with this Sony, but the price gap is yep. so Good same thing with shamisen. For sure. And, and you already told us you wrecked your car, so you know, you know, <laughs> might as well. If, if you're going to spend the same on a chamisan as a car, what happened if you wreck it, right? So. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. um, I was going to ask you about that actually, because it does play like it's a drum. On, on, on the right hand, mm. you're, you're slapping and you're you're picking and you're you're creating little taps for sounds. Yeah. So I would imagine that that would. I mean, I know drum heads break, so I, I would. So with. Shamisen, what breaks is the the bachi. This here is the bachi, and this is this is actually a new synthetic type of bachi which has barely been released. Um, that's still kind of made out of natural materials, but the previous ones were all made out of very natural materials. Like a lot of people get really upset because the old Kyoto style geisha style shamisen were skinned with cat. Uh, and, you know, they use animal skin to skin these, which is why they rip. I have mine skinned with synthetic skin. And the original bachi were made of tortoise shell. And one of the 
biggest reasons for that is the resilience of it. Uh, it's got just enough flex, but just enough hardness that it doesn't damage the player's wrist. It still produces a nice sound. Anything harder would damage either the shamisen or the player's wrist. Anything softer wouldn't make enough sound. And a lot of synthetic materials warp or chip or break or wear down really easily, whereas this is super resilient. It's taken them up until almost this year to create a material that is as, if not more resilient than the tortoise shell. So I've been buying up these bachi every single time that I can get my hands on them. But managing this because of how you have to hold it and how you have to play it, this is everything. Hmm. It's like learning how to swing a golf club. And, you know, that swing is everything in golf, right? Exactly the same. This is the golf club of shamisen. The tone, the rhythm, the everything, right? Yeah, like a slight change, like a three to five degree change in the angle can completely change the sound that you get out of it. Wow. So that's awesome. Oh, that's very interesting. That's cool. And here I thought it was just like a car window scraper. <laughs> yeah, I get I get so much of that on YouTube, like so much of that on YouTube that I actually have all the words like spatula, scraper, all of those words are actually on my block list. I'm just like, oh, I need, I need to deal with those comments anyway. <laughs> and I had to go there, of course. I had to go there. I'm sorry. Brian, Brian got blocked. That's it. <laughs> all right, guys. So it looks like we're continuing with Brian. Yeah, right. okay. yeah. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> all right um well now, so, now we really know why ryan's not here he probably called it a spatula before the show he can't get in for that reason uh, yeah. that's awesome um there's so many other things we could talk about uh, places that you've gone to uh, when you were playing you know, the different mm. countries you've been to australia italy all the other places that you've traveled um is there another place that draws your heart or your love your passions as much as tokyo has Honestly, since I was a little kid, um, I don't know, since we're, we're all some from Ontario, um, maybe there's a little bit of overlap in this. You know, in, in the 80s and 90s, Canada also went through this Australia boom. And uh, I have a love for Australia, unlike any other. And having the chance to go out there back in 2019 to do uh, the shamisen stuff was a dream almost equal to going to Japan. And it was it was very worth it. Like on the very last day, I I, I, I saw an article uh, along the lines of something like rogue dingo steals woman's hat. And it was like front page. And I was like, this is the most Australian thing I think I've ever seen. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Dingo um, like my baby. It's just oh, amazing. Yeah. Definite love for Australia as well. Very cool. And of course, Ontario. I mean, of course. Yeah. Oh, and I'll be honest, like Ontario, I think it's really hard to see things that are super close to you. Um, like if you're standing right at the edge of a building, you can't see how beautiful the building is. You got to back up to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And Ontario was actually always that for me. It wasn't until meeting yourself, Brian, that I started to drive more out in the countryside and explore the nature and go try and capture. I still haven't gotten the owl. I, I still have not managed to get the owl, but yeah, Ontario has become a place that I've started, just started to enjoy. And then a pandemic hit. So that's yeah. really interesting. That's really interesting. I've moved around a lot. I lived in a lot of other places before I came here. So I know what you're saying and I do see it from the outside perspective, even living here. Um, mm. But I, that's, that's a different view. It's like, I have a more refreshed view of coming back to Canada after living in the States. Mm as you had a more refreshed view when you went back to Japan. You you went the first time, came back to Canada and had a more refreshed view when you went back. And it, it's I think that's just kind of natural though, right? You find mm. something you love and every time you go back to it, it just, the air smells better. Everything feels better. Everything's more natural to you. One of my early YouTube videos was on reverse culture shock. I hadn't gone back to Canada in something like three years and I went back and it was just like, oh wow, this is what life is like. And so it was, yeah, I always enjoy those moments. And I know I'm setting myself up for another one of those after spending, what, probably two, maybe even three years 
in Japan again without being able to go overseas. I look forward to that first trip. So yeah, for sure. Mental health wise, how are you doing? Mental health wise, I feel like I I don't want to. I it's, I feel like it's a loaded. It's a it's a dangerous question because I well, know there I know are a lot of people out there struggling, and I you're want not a complainer to, though. You don't like to complain. I, I get it. I get it. But we all have stressors, and you've wanted to come back to Canada, and I know that's so, been a hard thing. At the beginning of the the pandemic, I, I, I was like, okay, this this could be it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a content creator. I I I, I literally make internet movies for a living, and I my main source of income at the time was playing the shamisen. Those performances, are, and then that wasn't possible anymore. And so during that time, there was a bit of a dip. And, you know, YouTube picked up, I, I think I hit that 100k last year, I think I'm at like 260 now or something. And so that side of things, the career side feels like it's going better, but you miss home, like I miss my parents, I don't talk about that side of things in my content very often. But for example, my little sister, um, possibly within the next week or two, is going to give birth to her first child. I can't be there. Uh, my other little sister has been going through a crazy hard time over the past couple of months, and I, I can't be there. And you know, parents—they apparently they don't get younger; they age along with you. And so, every year that goes that by, every month that goes by, those sides of it are difficult. But you also learn to kind of stay in touch with people more often. Like uh, me and my siblings joined a Snapchat group. I don't even use Snapchat, but I've got this sibling Snapchat group where you share stuff with each other. So that's really helped for mental health. And I would have to say, again, I know there are people who are still struggling, but I feel like I've been lucky enough to sit on the very positive side of that. I've managed to stay connected with family, even though we're physically very distant. So are many people around the world. And for the most part, everyone that you want to be healthy and happy has remained healthy and happy Good. in my circle around me. So I feel very, very fortunate. So yeah, I hear you. Knock wood for sure. Yeah. And uh, congratulations to your sister with her baby. I hope that goes well for her. Thank That's you. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, so yeah. if it's okay with you guys, Mark and Aurora, unless you have some other questions you'd like to ask, uh, we usually have three questions that we ask toward the end of a show. Okay. Um, the first question you know about, that's the challenge, which you've mm -hmm. replied to. And then two other yep. questions you don't quite know yet. But before okay. we get to that, Aurora, Mark, did you have anything else that you'd like to talk to Noah about? Oh, man, there's so many different questions. <laughs> I, could, I, I could definitely dive into, I guess, the most, um, I guess, related to what we were just talking about would be, I, I know this is probably kind of a weird question, but um, you mentioned the pandemic and how it changed things, how you couldn't go out and play the shamisen and tour around. Um, what has the pandemic been like in Japan? Mm. Um, like how have the restrictions been? I feel like it, that would be something possibly very different than mm. uh, we're uh, experiencing here. Um, and like travel restrictions and that kind of thing. Just curious. Good question. Yeah. Um, so I think in uh, when, when you're speaking for the situation in an entire country, it can be really difficult because I think in Japan, there's been more freedom than in other countries, which means everybody's situation is kind of individual. Um, Japan doesn't have the the legal power to completely lock down and tell businesses to close and tell people not to go out. And so that's meant they've enacted states of emergencies which request people to stay in. And some people have followed, some people haven't. Comparatively, considering the population, it hasn't been terrible. I still am very, very fortunate. This hopefully paints somewhat of a picture. At this point, to not know a single person who has in my social circle who has gotten COVID. Um, so mind you, that applies for Japan and my social circle in Canada as well. Uh, but you can't get in or out of the country very easily. Uh, but within the country, uh, for example, I've traveled for most of my videos throughout the past year, but it ended up making it a, a very different experience. I haven't 
I think I've taken less than three trains since the start of the pandemic. And Japan's a big public transportation country. I've just rented cars and gone out to mountains. I've shot so many mountains and valleys and forests and camping and everything like that. And all of that has been entirely possible. But if you get out into areas that are really, really remote, being from Tokyo, you have to camp pretty much because the hotels out there, there's a good chance they'll say, oh, you're from Tokyo. No, 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 we don't want you staying here. And so hmm. if you maintain social distance and you hit stuff up at 4.30 in the morning when there's no people outside and whatnot. This is a great time to be in the country. Uh, I think if you're using the public transportation, you want to hit the tourist spots at noon and whatnot, it would still feel like a, like, like, like a difficult time. I just, my entire life over the past year has happened between the hours of 3 a.m. and 11 a.m., that's when all my outdoor time is happening because there's no people. And then I spend the rest of the time on the road or sleeping. And that's, I haven't seen people since the, the start of the pandemic, to be honest. I haven't even been in Tokyo. So I might not be the best representative to speak of how things are in Japan during this time because I just adapted a new lifestyle. But yeah, this is it. You've adapted a lifestyle. You've navigated your way through the, the, the risks so you can continue doing what you're doing. It's important. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So stick, sticking with the COVID um, questions then, so for yourself, um, being a non-Japanese native, what, what is your opportunity like to, to receive a vaccine if you chose to receive it? Oh, I've been fully vaccinated for some time now. Um, it just felt like the, the, the safe, smart thing right here in yeah. Tokyo. Like I live in the core center of Tokyo. Okay. Um, so even if I want to run into a convenience store or if I have to go to the bank or if I have to go to the government office to get documents, there are going to be situations where I am indoors with people. And so, yeah, it wasn't that difficult because of where I live. Um, but Tokyo itself is broken up into many smaller cities, similar to like how Toronto's got, you know, York and Markham and all that. And each city is kind of treated differently. I just got lucky that my city was one of the earliest to jump onto that. And I was able to get it all boxed off early and quick. Plus, with being a content creator, uh, Japan, a lot of companies want to be safe. So it's actually getting to the point where they're asking, when I'm trying to set up meetings or interviews, they're asking, have you been vaccinated? Can you send us a photocopy of your vaccination certificate? And so it, it means the difference between whether or not uh, we can do business or not in some situations. Oh, very good. Very good. Thank you. It'll probably stay that way for a while, too. I can see even with my day tripper photo uh, before I'll have it right in my notes. You know, you'll have to have your vaccinations and still wear a mask, even though, mm -hmm. you know, it might be safer. Right. It's just common sense, I think. Um, but then again, I mean, think of it this way. You, you mentioned you were able to keep in touch through your Snapchat with your family. And it's true. I was keeping in touch a little bit more with my brother, sister, mother, kind of core online. And my brother and my little brother, and my nephew and I were playing online Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, just get just an excuse to get together and do stuff. Uh, mm. When this all started happening, of course, everybody's gotten busy since. Um, but could you imagine if this had happened in the 80s and 90s? Oh, God. Like... <laughs> that would have been such a different situation and you've even said it you're staying positive and you're, you're trying to look at the bright side of things and my way of doing that is to say i am extremely blessed and i know all of the people that are in this hangout right now are because we've been touched less because we've been smart and really keeping in touch with people online instead of going to their homes and so on so the fact that we had the luxuries that we did have i'm blessed i feel completely mm. blessed and this right here, this conversation that we're having is a big part of COVID for us, at least um, when we weren't able to be as creative, like you could, you couldn't do your performances anymore. We had to find other ways to keep that creative, uh, creative flow going uh, mm. or else we would go crazy. And, and this has been a big help for us to do that. And anyway, as I was saying, thank you very much again for, for being a part of our conversation tonight. We're going to get mm. to uh, the questions that we have for you before we okay. let you go. Uh, the first question you already know the answer to you you you've replied to us in the chat is a challenge we usually ask our our guests to issue a challenge to our listeners or viewers 
of something that could possibly better their world or their creativity in some way. What was your challenge mm. you'd like to issue? Well, especially considering that we're on a podcast right now, one of my absolute favorites, something that I think everybody should do is whether it be weekly, monthly, quarterly, set a schedule and record a podcast. It doesn't need to be a super formal podcast. It could be you talking to yourself in the future. It could be you talking to some imaginary thing. The easiest way that I say to do it is set a schedule and set a list of three to five talking points. Maybe a quick update, uh, you know, talk about some of the recent challenges, maybe some upcoming plans, your current favorite food or what you're really into. And then like a, you know, a fifth arbitrary one and just hold to the schedule of recording that it doesn't need to be long it could be five minutes it could be 10 minutes it could be you know imagine however long you like listening to stuff and then just get into the habit of recording it and archiving it with the date and some form of title just do that even if you never post them even if you never listen to them even if you never touch them again get into the habit of creating them and archiving them for a couple different reasons. Number one, having that consistency. Consistency is just really healthy as a creative to, to do that kind of thing and the reflection time and all the other benefits, whatever, that's great. But the consistency is huge. And number two, and this is by far my absolute favorite, every single one of us, whether we're just a normal person or a creative, at some point looks and goes, is this really interesting? Like what's interesting about me or my life? And we all in the end kind of think, well, nothing, nothing's, but like, honestly, like I look at my life and I'm just like, I'm just like an, another foreigner living in Japan, but other people seem to somehow enjoy it. Right. And I always, say that you need to find the value in your own life and documenting is huge. If your grandmother and grandfather sat down with a tape recorder back in 1956 and recorded even one episode of Tuesday with Gertie and Al, you'd listen to that. You'd make a digital copy of that tip and tape because you would want to know what a boring Tuesday afternoon with Gertie and Al was like. What was life like for them? So whether it be for you, whether it be for your kids or your grandkids or the future generations or just for that time that you finally lose it, go senile, forget everything, and you want to remember what life was like, record those. It can be two-minute episodes. It can be five-minute episodes. It doesn't have to be every week, every month. It can be quarterly, half, once every half year. Just do that so that you have it. It'll be the healthiest thing that I guarantee you'll never, ever regret recording. That's so cool. It's like a modern-day awesome. journal. Yeah. 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 Very cool. And it's true because I have digital copies of my mother reading uh, Green Eggs and Ham to my little, my, my little, my, my older brother and my older sister when they were, you know, not even able to really speak. So it's stuff like that that you definitely cherish. That's a great challenge for sure. I'm glad I've been doing it for a long time with our, <laughs> with my new co-hosts here and previous to that on uh, Google Google Hangouts. We did those for about four years. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a really valuable thing for, for people to do. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, the next two questions. And the first okay. one is uh what's your jam what song do you love that you go to that you never skip past uh something that every time you hear it it just gets you riled up and ready for the day he's going to his phone now <laughs> i'm gonna have to go to my phone because i'm probably gonna give an answer that you guys weren't expecting which i, I is, love that i since starting the shamisen 10 years ago mark had pointed out you know like what you mentioned like as a non-japanese person starting into this the first thing that my mind came up with is it's a brand new style of music and I needed to gain a feel for that music. You, you don't just hear it instantly. You know what I mean? It's like if you're a full grown adult who hears jazz for the first time, you're going to be like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And it's going to take you a while to actually be able to understand and feel jazz. And that was Shemisen for me. And so I actually, until very recently, haven't listened to anything except for shamisen music for nearly 10 years. Wow. So that I'd be able to learn to feel the, the music. And it's actually just in recent months that I've, oh, I've gotten into like Spotify and whatnot. Oh no. <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, 
So I would say, oh, Lord, I, I don't even. I, I'm actually a really big fan of the, you know, I guess what we once would have called the 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 the, the, the classic rocks, uh, you know, the I don't know. Like like brandy by Looking Glass or you know Wham Bam and stuff. I, I absolutely I'll never skip it. I'll go to it on a road trip. Like those are my absolute go to. It's what I lean into if I'm stuck on the road for five ten hours at a time, as I often am. Yeah, that's the. I'm just going for that like sixties, seventies, maybe early eighties. Usually up to seventy nine classic rock playlists. Nice. Uh, that's Very cool. yeah. Good choices. Good choices. <laughs> That's like totally my era. So yeah, of course. Made me sweat on that one. I wasn't yeah. ready for that. <laughs> what, what's your shemisan jam? Uh, there's actually one main Tsugaru shemisan song uh, that everybody kind of does their own rendition of, and they kind of change parts and adjust the length and, you know, add flair to it. And it's called Tsugaru Jongara Bushi. And it's basically a song of the four seasons uh, that's played through the dynamics of the instrument. And it gets real quiet at some parts and real heavy at some parts and then suddenly drops. And then there's these flourishes and it's a really fun song to play. And you can play it in a hundred thousand different ways. And it's just, you, you can, there are literal entire CDs of like 25, 35 different players' versions of this. And each one, if you know the instrument, is so unique that it's, you could just listen to it on loop and find all the nuances. And yeah. Uh, I know in one of your videos, you played with um, another gentleman, and I, it might have been that song. And you were, you were showing how um, the pauses and um, the way you move the strings and just the way I was watching you play. And then I saw the other gentleman play the same song and it was, it was different. And I know what you're saying. Like you put, he, you put your own flair onto it and your own feeling yeah. to it. Um, and just the, the, it's a really a fascinating instrument, fascinating mm. instrument, the way it plays. And I've gained a whole new appreciation for it in my research for this show uh, and talking to you because uh, it's, I mean, percussion. I love drums and music. It's great. I didn't think how, how you could have three strings and still make such a, oh, I know. a a broad range of sounds from it. And it's great when you have two people playing together, like the Yoshida yeah. brothers or the, the two women that you work with. Uh, when they yeah, play together, yeah, you have two, you have one playing on the high, one playing on the low, and they're complimenting each other when they play. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating stuff. We were actually supposed to be last year uh, in Toronto for some performances and workshops and we're still leaning towards <clears throat> working on those for future years so if i do come for some live performances i will make sure to let all of you know thank oh, you very much cool. that's awesome yeah okay the last question of the uh, of the show is another one that you're not prepared for i leave these two questions so that people aren't prepared i like to kind of catch you off guard with a little bit of i'm not nervous at all no <laughs> <laughs> um so um, in the world of photography, you've seen these videos, people showing their camera bags and like what's in their bag, that kind of stuff. I don't like that whole concept. I don't think <laughs> that matters too much. Right now, my favorite camera that I'm using is my 15-year-old Sony Alpha 100. Mm. Um, so our question isn't your gear. It's um, what's your tool of the trade? What's something that you fall back on to get you through your creative hurdles and something that every day you can rely on as being something that helps you be more creative, that creative tool of the trade. So when you say tool, do you mean like physical tool, like, like the, the, the camera, the item that could, could be anything. Mark's was his creativity thinking outside the box. It mm. could be literally anything that you think uh, makes you a stronger creative person that you do use all the time. You know, my entire life, um, I, I, I'm not super private about this part. I have attention deficit disorder. And my entire life, it's been, been called a, a disorder or disability. And I 
I saw this TikTok a while back about a, a guy who was talking about how, you know, humans only in the, the last like 2% of recent human history have we been industrialized humans who need to sit down and focus for long periods of times for 95 to 98% of human history. We needed to be able to change our attention at a moment's notice for survival or to, you know, for feeding and all of these different things. And he's like, it's, it's crazy that this is called a disorder. And that really rang with me because I've always felt like this attention deficit disorder has been my greatest, not just survival, but creative tool in my entire life. I've, I do these sudden deep dives on a topic that I otherwise might not, you know what? I, I, I'm, in the next year gonna go into at least two or three topics, licenses and experiences that the average person would never think of going into. And I'm gonna go really deep into them simply because I was looking at something and then I got distracted by this and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then, oh, you know, let's go to this. And then, oh, in order to do this, you need this license. I wonder how hard it would be to get that license and then make a few phone calls. And then next thing you know, an entire new life path has been been born. And when I'm working on a video and I'm editing, when I'm shooting something, when I'm doing research, these distractions provide an endless stream of potential paths and opportunities. And the only thing that you need to learn is that there's no wrong path. There's no wrong choice. None of it matters. No choice that we make right now actually matters. You could make the totally wrong choice. And if you've got the right mindset, you'll still be totally fine. You'll make something good out of it. You can make the best choice ever. And if you've got the wrong mindset, that it's all going to turn into garbage. So as long as you keep that positive mindset, none of the choices you make in life, none of them actually matter. So once you get that, having ADD is this wildly powerful tool that gives you an access to an unlimited stream of potential opportunities and ideas and I feel that it is and has always been my greatest strength and gift in life. Wow. You are one of my favorite humans. <laughs> Instantly yeah. just jumped up like about 400 people right there. That was... <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which means I just dropped off the bottom of the list. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You're still up there, Mark. <laughs> That's so great. No, that, Thank you, Norm. Great that, is, that is awesome. I, I never ever dreamt I would hear it explained, like to talk about ADD, uh, explain that way as, as a gift. Most people don't think of it that way, but I, I love that way of looking at it. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. why we do our show. For nuggets like that, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Um, Mark, Aurora, anything else you'd like to add before we say goodnight to Norm? Or good morning to Norm? I guess it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, good, good morning. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think I'm good. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around uh, that last comment, so... <laughs> I think yeah. that's really amazing and inspiring. Um, yeah. I think that, well, we talk about mental health, um, and I know ADD isn't fully in that aspect, but kind of in the similar alley. Um, uh, I have a sibling who has ADD and a string of other things and uh, has worked on mental health and that kind of thing. And um, uh, for somebody who struggles with it, like sibling so close to me, seeing somebody who's struggled with it so much when other people can see it as a uh, what's it called like an asset or a um a superpower yeah a super power is actually really inspiring that there was a lot of times where i've looked back and and said to jace i'm like whoa like the way that you're thinking about that is so creative i wouldn't have even thought of that um is right up the alley of what you were just saying norm and i i think that's awesome that you think of it that way and i think more people should just lean into um who they are and uh, not be ashamed of it. Um, I uh, I do want to address because I think there's a lot of people who listen to this who may relate to, uh, you know, at least a little bit with one side or the other. And the other being the fact that, you know, even myself until maybe even months ago, if, we, if you had asked me this question probably six months ago, I might not have given such a positive answer about the, you know, the attention deficit disorder because I 
treated it for so long like it was this big disadvantage like it was this thing that was holding me back or you know there's a lot of frustration that comes with it there's a lot of frustration that comes with it um but in the end it, it is a trade-off and you can you definitely can change your mindset it took me until my mid-30s to see it the way that i do now so if you are somebody who's struggling with it and you don't see it as an advantage yet that is okay that is okay but as i said i think earlier we we do find what we're looking for and i always kind of wanted to see the positives in it if there were any and it's in recent months that i've started to see the positives in it and it's mostly just because with the world being flipped upside down i've been granted enough mental space to sit back and change the way i look at it so you know awesome. um it, for the i think there are going to be a lot of people who struggle with it and don't see it the way i see it at all and i don't want them to feel you know like they've been they've been pushed out you know i want them to feel like you know, trust me, I was right there with you until literally just months ago. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, even the whole making lemonade out of lemons concept is so powerful. Like for photography, I, I shoot pro wrestling and um, I shot in a, in a big old barn not long ago. And I was shooting way too high ISO, just like on purpose, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000 ISO. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be shooting in a barn, let's just embrace this and make those pictures look dirty, make them look, you know, aggressive. And so turning that lemonade or that lemon situation of being able to shoot in a hard situation into a whole new look that just adds something different to it. Something as small as that can also turn into no wrong decisions if you look at it the right way. So great outlook. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's, awesome. that's, a, that's a pencil throwing outlook right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Fine. Fine. There you go. You hit your fish tank. Take it easy, Mark. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it went. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been a great chat. Thank you so much, Norm. Aurora. Thank Mark, you so much for having me. I'm still a little disappointed Ryan wasn't able to make it. Maybe it is that yeah. block spam thing. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Fun. I think Norm blocked him before the show and he's done. Bad so. uh, but thank you, everybody who's tuned in and watched our episode yeah. today. And uh, I hope it's been as fun for you as it has been for us. I've loved it. Thank you again. And we'll see everybody next week. Take care. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, guys. Spending some time chatting with us. Uh, where'd you go? Oh, oh Norm? He didn't, didn't want to answer the other two questions. I'm out of here. He didn't want to answer the other two questions. It's because I called it a... Um, I don't know. Never mind. A car scraper, yeah. <laughs> That's it. You're done. <laughs>